Time to pull out those great books. Who played the most snaps? Who did the best in defensive coverage? Who run blocked the best? And who shined in pass blocking? We'll look at pro football focus grades, tying a bow on the Austin P game, and sprinting towards Florida. All that and more here on a Wednesday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, welcome into it, your Wednesday edition of Lockdown Vols. I am your host, Eric Kane. As always, can't thank you enough for being here and making Lockdown Vols your first listen. Wherever you get your podcast, watching us on YouTube, shout out to everydayers. Going to be a fun show. Uh, we're going to look at pro football focus grades, kind of dive into the nitty gritty of those grades. Because disclaimer from the top, I'll, I'll put the, um, the grading scale metric at the bottom here on YouTube with the scrolling ticker. And I'll say it out loud as well for those listening. Um, I don't put a whole lot of stock in grades from Pro Football Focus in terms of overall grade because they don't know what the schemes are. They don't know what the responsibilities are. Um, it's it's literally impossible unless there's a member on Tennessee's coaching staff essentially grading it and sending it in. So I, I just I don't put a lot of stock into that. But what I do put stock in is missed tackles, um, you know, defensive coverage, pass blocking grades, all that type of stuff, and snap counts. So we're gonna get into that and kind of tell you you know who did well and who did not. And the awesome P game. Then we'll have a little award Wednesday coming up in segment three. We'll hit offense in segment one, defense in segment two. Uh, Going to have a big time crossover on Thursday. Boogie Bentley on Friday. I'm talking with Jabari uh, Davis uh, later in the week as well. And maybe I can find a way to get it on this show um, as well. Maybe a bonus show or something. You know, we'll see if I can get juice on. But anyway, big time uh, Florida week coming up. It is right here in Tennessee, a seven and a half point favorite, according to our friends over at FanDuel. Okay, so let's look at the pro football focus grades. And, and again, for those listening, um, the grading schedules, uh, the grading scale is a little bit different. 90 to 99 is elite. 80 to 89 is very good. 70 to 79 is above average starter. 60 to 69 is an average starter, which in grade school, that's an F. Um, below average starter is 50 to 59, and anything below 50 is considered a backup level player. Uh, so that's kind of how they grade things over here at Pro Football Focus. Uh, first, we'll start with the snap counts on offense. Uh, Joe Milton played all 66 snaps on offense. Um, running back Jalen Wright played 30 snaps. Jabari Small played 26 snaps. Dylan Sampson only 10 snaps in this football game. Uh, clearly, um, I think as time goes on, you'll see more of Wright getting the share over Small. But Small is obviously going to be that RB2, and I'd like to see Samson a little bit more involved. Wide receiver position, Romel Keaton, Brew McCoy each played every offensive snap at 66. Squirrel White played 55. And Dante Thornton Jr., again, he didn't play at all in the second half. Eight snaps in this football game. That is... Cool. Two weeks in, um, something I've been super wrong about, and I'll own it, but I'm season's not over. I think Dante Thornton's going to do some things for Tennessee, uh, but it has not been off to a good start. Uh, tight end, McCallan Castles, 38 snaps. Jacob Warren, 31 snaps. And then on the offensive line, you saw, you know, there were, there were they played more snaps last week against Virginia, but there were eight offensive linemen that played 20 or more snaps in week one. You're starting to see a little bit of separation here. So Spragans played every down, 66 snaps. John Campbell played nearly every down at 62 snaps. Andre Carrick played 56 snaps. Ollie Lane played 47 snaps. Gerald Mincy played 36 snaps. Jeremiah Crawford played 34 snaps. Dane Davis only 19 snaps on the offensive line. 
Jackson Lampley only 10 snaps on the offensive line. So again, Spragans pretty much every down. John Campbell, I think, got all but one series at left tackle. Andre Kirk was in there for all but just a couple of series. Ollie Lane and Dave Davis split time at center, but it was more Ollie Lane. And Gerald Mincy and J.J. Crawford almost spent a 50-50 work work share but actually if you got any even more down into the weeds and the specifics mincy 36 snaps jeremiah crawford 34 snaps mincy played at least one series on the left side so i bet mincy played more right tackle overall or, or more just more in the game obviously and more valuable than jj crawford did so anyway um, I think that's interesting moving forward. They clearly want to play Gerald Mincy. Uh, so that's on offense. That's snap counts on offense. Let's go ahead and take a look at the pro football focus. Um, overall grades, if you will, ones that kind of stand out. And again, uh, you've got elite 90 to 99. You've got very good 80 to 89. Above average starter, 70 to 79. An average starter, 60 to 69. Nice. Below average starter, 50 to 59, and less than 50 is considered a backup level player. Jalen Wright led the way. 87.6 was his grade. He is playing at an elite level. John Campbell, 75.2. Good to see. Gerald Mincy, 73.8. Good to see. Andre Kirik, 73.3. Good to see. Ollie Lane, um, 69.2. Good to see. Jabari Small, 68. Brew McCoy, 66. Javante Spragans had 65. McCallan Castle, 65. Joe Milton was at 62.2%. Uh, notables that had bad grades overall. Jeremiah Crawford, 40.2, which was not good. Dante Thornton, 41.1, which is not good. Dane Davis, 49.2, not good. Romel Keaton, 52.4. Squirrel White, 52.8. Jacob Warren, 56.6. And Dylan Sampson, 58.1. Again, those are the overall overall grades. And if you remember last year, I kind of got tripped, or last week, excuse me, I kind of got tripped up a little bit because I went into a sentence that I had already looked at the pro football focus grades, and I remember that Andre Carrick had a grade in like the 40s. And I was like, going into my sentence, I was like, yeah, and Andre Carrick, a really bad pro football focus grade, yada, yada, yada. And then I looked for week number one, and his grade had changed. His grade went from something in the 40s to 72 in week one, which was a good grade. And so, like, that was Wednesday of last week. Again, very suspect in terms of overall grades, so I don't use it just for that. Uh, let's quickly look at the throw chart, shall we? Let's see here. Passing. Um, one second, one second. We talked a little bit about this in the postgame podcast, but so much of what Joe Milton did, especially in the second half, was behind the line of scrimmage. Joe Milton, 49% of his 200 and whatever passing yards he had was behind the line of scrimmage, only completing 45% of his passes above the line of scrimmage. He was 11, 12 for 13. Milton was 12 for 14 on passes behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, zero to 10 yards, he was 7 for 9. And then 10 yards and above, a combined 1 for 4. Let's see. 2 for... Seven, two for seven on passes 10 yards down the field. Again, a lot of it was what Austin Peay was given Tennessee, so they just did it. Um, that That's, again, I think Tennessee's going to take some shots. I think Florida's going to have a single high safety, and you're going to get one-on-one matchups. you got to go make some plays. Um, but still, it's it's got to be a little bit better in that regard. Uh, Joe Milton was pressured. Let's see here. He was kept clean on... 
73.5% of dropbacks. He was under pressure on 26.5%. He was blitzed on 32% of his dropbacks. Um, and so that's kind of what it looked like there. Let's go into blocking real quick. Pass blocking. Javante Spragans, 84.1% in terms of pass blocking on 35 reps. Andre Carrick, 83.7% on 28 pass blocking reps. Ollie Lane, 81.1% on 28 pass blocking reps. See, this is good. John Campbell Jr., 80.9% on 34 pass blocking reps. Gerald Mincy, 80.4 on 17 pass blocking reps. Uh, let's see here. Dane Davis did not have a good day. 12.8 on seven pass blocking reps. Jeremiah Crawford did not a good day pass blocking. 10.2% on 19 pass blocking reps. Uh, Jacob Warren, uh, when he was not out in coverage, 16 reps pass blocking, 0%. So, again, I don't really know what all that entails. Uh, it's not like he missed his block on 16 snaps where he was not going out for a pass. I, again, maybe maybe he's graded. Maybe he ran the wrong route or something. I don't know. So I don't really know kind of what that looks like. And then finally on the offensive end, according to Pro Football Focus, we'll look at the run blocking. Jacob Warren, a solid day run blocking, 75% on 15 snaps, 15 reps. Jeremiah Crawford, 71%. So much better for J.J. Crawford running, run blocking, than pass blocking. It's kind of flip-flopped. If you remember last year, I talked about it. It's like J.J. Crawford is much better run blocking. Gerald Mincy's better pass blocking. If you can kind of morph those two together. And you can see here with the run blocking, uh, Jeremiah Crawford well more than his pass blocking grade. Um, in 15 snaps. Andre Kirk, 28 snaps, 28 reps at run blocking, 71%. Javante Spragans, 31 snaps, 71.2%. John Campbell, 28 reps, 70% run blocking. Gerald Mincy, 19 reps, 69% pass block, run blocking. We're doing run blocking here, Eric. <laughs> um, Ollie Lane, 19 reps, 64%. Let's see here. Dane Davis. 12 reps, 56%. Dane Davis didn't have a very good game. Uh, McCallum Castles, I, I, wanted to, I made note of this. I'd heard this, and I wanted to see if it was reflected in the pro football focus grades, and it is. McCallum Castles, not a very good day run blocking, where I thought he did a great job blocking for the run against Virginia. In 19 reps, McCallum Castles graded out at a 46% in terms of run blocking. So, again, pro football focus grades, there's something they are certainly not everything i can tell you that right now hey when we come back we will take a look at defense how about those defensive coverages who was targeted the most who gave up the most uh receptions all that and more who had some missed tackles we'll take a look at the pro football focus grades on defense when we return right here on our locked on balls i want to say about our friends over at ebay motors passion drive patience that's what brings home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts to choose from, your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money is back. Because with eBay Motors... 
You're burning rubber, not cash, not your wallet. With all the ports you need, all the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Welcome back into this Wednesday edition of Locked On Vols. Appreciate you guys for being here. We got Ward Wednesday coming up here in just a second. Let's dive back into the pro football focus grades. Let's look at defense. We'll first start with snap counts on the defensive line. Uh, and this is great to see. Tyler Barron, um, you know, knock on wood, Tyler Barron's playing some good football. He tied for the lead on the defensive line in most snaps play, which is great to see. Tyler Barron, 43 snaps. Roman Harrison, 43 snaps. Omar Norman Lott, 37 snaps. Amari Thomas, 35 snaps. James Pierce, 27 snaps. Bryson Eason, 25. David Hobbs, 23. Man, he's playing a lot here lately. Karad Garland, 23. Tyree West, 18. Joshua Joseph, 17. Dominic Bailey, 16. Caleb Herring, 10. Austin Lewis, 6. And Jason Jenkins, 4. Look at linebackers. Elijah Herring played 51 snaps. Aaron Beasley, 47 snaps. Aaron Carter, 31. Jeremiah Tlander, 20. And Caleb Perry, 16. Moving forward, um, and um, I, you know Austin Price made note of this in the VolQuest two-minute drill, but in conversations we had kind of on, on Tuesday, I, I think it's going to be more of a three-man rotation if you know the offense is moving along and sustaining some drives. It'll be more of a four-man rotation, maybe five-man rotation if the offense is struggling and getting quick three and outs. And you know that three-man rotation is going to be Elijah Herring, Aaron Beasley, Arian Carter. And then if it has to go to four to five, I think it'll be Jeremiah Tlander and then Caleb Perry. Uh, defensive bad grades. Wesley Walker, 81 snaps. Jalen McCullough, 72 snaps. And that's only because he uh, got hurt there towards the end. Tamari McDonald, 68 snaps. Kamal Haddon, 41 snaps. Danico Slaughter, 41 snaps. Warren Burrell, 40 snaps. Gabe Judy Lawley, 39 snaps. Brandon Turnage, 11 snaps. Andre Turrentine, Eight snaps. Would love to see Andre Turrentine have some more run uh, to get those safeties out of the football game, give him some rest. Um, you know, defense plays a whole lot of guys. Give them credit. Defense played 28 guys in this football tank football game, making a point, not the safety position, but making a point to play a lot of players. I like that. Um, some good grades here. Uh, Joshua Josephs, who only played 17 reps, he, he led the defense with – uh, 78%. Mary McDonald, 75%. Tyler Barron, 74%. It's good to see. Beasley, 74%. Um, T. Lander, 71%. Walker, 71%. Karat Garland, 70%. Kamal Haddon, 69%. All, all considered, that's, that's a pretty good grade. That That is 0.2% away, according to Pro Football Focus, from being very good And Kamal Haddon. And I'm glad that my observations in real time and on the rewatch are kind of valid. you got to fix the defensive pass interference. No ifs, ands, buts about it. But I thought if you can erase those, which you can, but if you can erase those two, I thought he had a pretty decent game, honestly. That being Kamal Haddon, just got to turn around and make a play for the ball, which he did and got an interception. James Pierce, 69%. Uh, Omar Norman Lott, 68%. Elijah Herring, 66%. Gabe Judy Lolly, 65%. Brandon Turnage, 64%. Only 11 snaps for Brandon Turnage. Like seeing him play a little bit more. Let's see here. Andre Turrentine, 8 snaps, 63%. Jalen McCullough, 60% at 73 snaps, which is still not a bad grade. Um, it's on the low. It's it's not a good grade. It's on the low end of average starter, the very low end. Uh, David Hobbs, 58%. Tyree West, 56%. Aaron Carter, not his best day. Thought he looked a little bit better in week one i think he's put on a lot of weight in a, in a quick amount of time and um i'm not, not not seeing the burst that you initially saw in fall camp 
Um, but he's going to play a ton, and he's going to be fine, and I think he's going to be good. Uh, he didn't have the best game against Austin P, but again, he's a true freshman. That was the second game. Uh, Aaron Carter is going to be that third option at linebacker moving forward with Keenan Peely sideline. But he had a 55% against Austin P. Um, Roman Harrison, 54%. A lot of people are asking, with James Pierce, the emergence of him, will Roman Harrison's snaps decrease? No, they will not. They play a ton of Leos. On third downs, you got sometimes three Leos on the field at the same time, but at least two. Um, they play a ton of Leos. They even Roman Harrison played a whole lot of snaps last year with Byron Young. Uh, that position, more than any, is rotational and packaged and situational. So Roman Harrison, who uh, Mike Eckler thinks the world of, speaking to the quarterback's club on Monday, you know, said that he might be the most talented guy on the team. Um, you know, That's good to say. Uh, I, I don't see it. It's not like he's bad, but uh, he doesn't get many sacks. Uh, maybe that's to come, though. Uh, but he's going to play a ton along with James Pierce. Uh, Bryson Eason, 53%. Uh, Danico Slaughter, 52%. So not the best day for Danico Slaughter. Uh, let's go look at tackling. Let's see here. Can I let's see here? Run defense, pass defense. Okay, I can't really break this down. Um, let's go here to tackling. Missed tackles. Okay. Tennessee on the day missed 10 tackles. That's not good. McDonald missed three tackles. Beasley missed two tackles. One of those is on fourth down or third down. And for as good as he's been, that was a bad missed tackle. Uh, Walker missed one tackle. Garland missed one tackle. Let's see here. Gabe Lolly missed one tackle. McCullough missed one tackle. Tyree West missed one tackle. And that was it. So really two from Beasley and three from McDonald. You got to cut that out a little bit. And let's go to coverage. Um, this is this is what we're all interested in right now, okay? Um, Aaron Beasley was targeted eight times, gave up six receptions for 22 yards. Again, linebacker, you're going to get called for – you're not called for targeting. You're going to get targeted a lot just because you're right in the middle of the field. Uh, but only gave up 22 yards, so that's not bad at all. Wesley Walker targeted once, gave up one reception for – one yard, you'll, and that was a screen pass, obviously, one where he probably blew it up. He'll take that every day of the week. Uh, Tamiri McDonald, again, the star player playing right in the middle, seven target at times he was targeted. He gave up five receptions as the primary defender, uh, 40 yards. Okay, so you want you want to get that a little bit cleaned up. Here, Here's the one I wanted to see. Kamal Haddon targeted 10 times, gave up four receptions for 17 yards. Again, you have got to turn your head around and notice the ball's underthrown. If I'm Florida this week and I need some I, I need some yards in a hurry and it might be third down, I'm going to find Kamal Haddon, I'm going to underthrow the ball, and I'm going to see if he runs into the receiver. I mean, he did it twice the other day, but but when he turned his head around, he had a pick. And, and he should have had a forced fumble. Um, he had a couple PBUs. You can't take – got to take the good with the bad. I hear you, but you, you those two DPIs – in a crucial game, SEC game like this coming week, that'll kill you. You can't do that. Um, gosh, you know, Kamal Haddon's got it. He's just got to consistently play with it. Uh, but I thought this was interesting. Again, targeted 10 times, gave up four receptions for 17 yards. You will take that every day of the week. Warren Burrell, targeted once, no receptions. Jalen McCullough, targeted once, gave up one reception for eight yards. Jeremiah T. Lander, targeted linebacker, targeted twice, gave up two receptions for 26 yards. Elijah Herring, Linebacker, targeted once, one reception, two yards. Gabe Judy Lolly. So far in two weeks, Gabe Judy Lolly has not been great in coverage. Targeted four times. 
at least in Virginia, I think he should have had some help over the top as well. Targeted four times, gave up four receptions for 28 yards. So they're not backbreakers, and that's good. Uh, but Judy Lawley, you want to get some PBUs there. And then let's go down to Danico Slaughter. Danico Slaughter, it says he was targeted three times. I don't remember the other one. He was targeted twice on one possession in the fourth quarter. One time, the receiver went up and made a play. It was just a really good play. I thought Danico Slaughter was defending it well. He got out jumped. The receiver had the vert on him and brought it down, okay? The second time, Danico Slaughter slipped. He just slipped. It wasn't a busting coverage. It was main coverage, and Slaughter just slipped. Give up an easy score. That can't happen. I'm not trying to make excuses for you. I'm just saying those numbers are skewed a little bit. Targeted three times, gave up two receptions for 78 yards. That touchdown was a 52-yard variety, okay? He just slipped. Uh, again, don't freaking slip, but um, those numbers are just a little bit skewed. So those are a look into the numbers. Pro football focus. I try to do it in the middle of the week, and that, that is when we officially close the book on the, on the game from the previous weekend and Thursday and Friday, we are sprinting to the new game. And it's going to be in the swamp, a place where Tennessee hadn't won in 20 years. Um, you know, trying to look for back to back wins over Florida in this rivalry, first time since 03 04. Uh, it's going to be a good one. I think it's going to be a really good one. Tennessee, seven and a half point favorite. The over unders at 57 in the hook. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I really, really am. We're we got Word Wednesday coming up next right here to conclude a Wednesday show, but I want to tell you about our friends over at Jace. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you the peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency situation. Jace uh, Medical makes sure that you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using the promo code LOCKED XK, uh, XKF4. That is LOCKED XKF4. One more time. $20 off by using promo code LOCKXKF4 at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code XKF4. All right, we're going to end our show here today on a Wednesday by catching up with Josh Ward, Ward Wednesday, co-host of Josh and Twain's show on 99.1 The Sports Animal. Josh, what's going on, man? I, I feel like uh, it's a big week, obviously, and we'll get to that, but... I mean, you and I kind of crossed paths in the press box the other day, expecting a, a short, quick, easy football game, and, and it certainly was not that. It was not. I thought Tennessee would roll up a lot of points and roll out a lot of players over four quarters, and I was wrong. I mean, till the very end, Tennessee was playing starters against Austin P. And uh, it was a missed opportunity to get some work for young players. Quarterback is obviously a big topic there, and it just didn't happen. So it was not a good performance. Uh, Tennessee was never really in – uh, at risk of losing the football game, but uh, Tennessee did not accomplish what it hoped to in terms of how it played, fixing some of the issues that might have been there the previous week and getting an opportunity for a lot of young players. On defense, we saw still a, a big rotation, linebackers a focus there. But uh, yeah, it was a disappointing performance, but now the real season begins. We knew Tennessee would be 2-0. and The Vols are 2-0. and Now we get to see Tennessee play uh, real competition on the road. 
I'm sure you're the same way, but like some of the feedback I've gotten from some things I've written and podcasts I've been a part of and everything so far this week is some people are like, oh my gosh, you're overreacting. Quit making a mountain out of Mohill. And the other ones are like, man, you're such a sunshine pumper. You're not going hard enough. <laughs> yeah. That was ridiculous. I mean, kind of where's where's yeah, that line? Because you're right. I mean, where where we are as, as media covering this team and as fans spoiled with points and fun mm-hmm. football. You, you, you score 30 points, which was great in the Jeremy Pruitt era. You score 30. I don't care who you're playing. You score 30 points. You win by 17. Um, the game was never in doubt. But I even, and when I did a postcast coming out of the game, I was like, this feels like a loss. Like everything I'm saying feels like a loss right now. Kind of kind of where's that line to where it's not the end of the world. Season's not over. Joe Milton doesn't suck in my opinion. But still, it was, it was not good. No, it wasn't. Like t- Tennessee didn't play well offensively there there is no argument otherwise uh defensively they were fine I, I still think Tennessee's defense can be something that helps them win big games this season there were I'm sure some frustrating points in that game uh Danico Slaughter falling and them having a long touchdown I'm sure it was frustrating for the stats and the scoreboard it doesn't really change what I think of the defense I still have secondary questions by the way uh going into the Florida game and the start of SEC play but uh, yeah, that's part of the issue is they just they've played such weak competition. We're trying to guess how should we grade good and bad on the good side. Well, okay, recognize the opponent on the bad side. Okay, well, motivation is going to be higher, or it's going to be easy. And I shouldn't say motivation. Uh, I guess that's part of it. But Tennessee was not locked in to the Austin P game. They will be, I'm sure, going to Florida, so that should help them play better. But uh, this offense is capable of just destroying opponents and uh, what Tennessee did against Akron last year and what Tennessee did against UT Martin to me was what I expected against Austin P. I didn't know if they'd get 60 plus, but I thought they'd have a shot at it and they were somewhat fortunate to get to 30. Uh, I thought they'd put up maybe 30 in the second half after a lackluster first half. So like, you know, there's the whole uh, running through the T they didn't run through the T so that affected the energy. Okay, well, that doesn't that that doesn't explain sixty minutes of, of disappointing performance. Ramel Keaton didn't fumble the football because they didn't run through the tee. Like, they didn't right? run through the tee. The national anthem was not played or performed because the band wasn't in the stadium. Yeah, um, there so was a I, I think delay. they went into the half and I think they moped, and yeah. they came out in the second half and that was affecting their energy. Not running through the tee is they didn't have the right attitude in the middle of the game. Uh, but do they get that fixed? Do they? But they also they just have to play better football Joe Milton has to be more accurate the receivers have to make more plays both are true and what I think fans feared is that they'd come out of the first two games not having a ton of confidence in Joe Milton and worrying about do we have the right guy there and now that conversation starting to take place but then that leads to defense of some of the performance like you mentioned where it's like hey stop being too negative and I think it's a matter of they didn't play well enough on Saturday Everybody should agree with that, including the coaching staff and the players, but they are capable of playing so much better, and they still have a really good chance to go beat Florida this week. The Vols are favored by seven points in Gainesville. That is a statement to what Tennessee is capable of doing. They just have to go do it. Yeah, there was a lot of things that were weird about that game because of the weather and because of you know the delay and all that. Officiating was horrible as well, but I mean, let me, let's be clear about this, and I wrote about this um, Officiating was horrible. It is not the reason Tennessee was so bad the other night. Tennessee. Yeah, was... if you need officiating to be on your side against Austin yeah. P, then it's time to look inward. Yeah. So, th- yeah. So that, that that's just a side topic to me in the yeah. conversation. Uh, not 
it didn't have anything to do in, I mean, maybe a, a slight result, but then if you feel like a call went against you, well then go make a big play against Austin P. How about that? Yeah. Shouldn't be that hard. Uh, speaking of being Debbie Downers and making something out of, it's not nothing, but making a big deal out of something that some people yeah. say, um, I'm just going to ask you straight up, man. I mean, pa- passing game has been the theme of the week. It's been horrible. Wide receivers have been a huge letdown. Um, Joe Milton, even when he was inaccurate, but even when the throws were there, his receivers were letting him down. I feel like they could have hauled in some that uh, weren't right on the money to kind of help their quarterback out. But who's more to blame here, Josh? And, and the right answer is it's all one unit. But who's more to blame here? Is it the receivers or is it Joe Milton? I will say the receivers because if nothing changes because about Because Jason way, Swain will get you if you don't. That's right. Yeah, well, somebody on that show has to stand up for the receivers. Uh <laughs> Uh, I will uh, I will say this if uh, if Joe has if nothing changes about the way he has played through two games, but the receivers make plays that they are capable of making. Dante Thornton on the sideline, Ramel Keaton with a bomb against Virginia. The stats are a lot different. The score is different, so the mood is different. Yeah. Joe has to play better. Everybody should agree with that again. But the receivers have not helped him. Jabari and- Small as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, at the running back spot with a, a easy play to make and extend a drive, and instead you go the uh, the other way. Could, so the, I mean, we could, can, could have been a checkerboard play. I mean, they they had it lined yeah. up. It was it was good. Yeah. Go. So um, so you know, then I wonder, does that affect Joe? Does he feel like okay, I have to be I have to be closer to perfect because I've got to help these guys out? And then you wonder about pressing. These are questions we ask. I don't know if that's really what the deal is, but. Uh, we're seeing plays. We're talking about the SEC here, okay? We're talking. We're talking about a game against Austin P. But I don't care the opponent. Some of the, the drops that they've had or the plays that they haven't made, like uh, Swain mentioned, Dante Thornton. You're on the sideline. There, there, there is no. Well, I was trying to make a play after I caught the ball. There's no play to be made. You're trying to catch the ball to to pick up a first down on the sideline. Yeah. That's it. So, you know, here's here's the thing with Thornton too. This staff hyped him up in a big way. We we did too, talking about his potential in the offense. But I definitely did. You know, yeah, my my thought. Eric within the offense for Dante Thornton because I had questions about why he didn't do more at Oregon but I thought okay well here's a 6'5 guy that can run and this offense will get him open he'll just catch a anybody uh it with his skill set can catch a pass when nobody's five yards away from him we haven't seen big plays in this offense through the first two games and then uh, a ball on the sideline dropping that yeah I don't know what to say but Joey Halsley didn't hide the big expectation that he had for Dante Thornton. It hasn't happened. That being said, in this Florida game, I still think that Tennessee should be able to hit some plays down the field. Utah, first play of the game, hits a big play against Florida. I'm not saying it's that easy, but that was against Marshall, one of their top players on defense, at least going in to the start of the season. So we know what Josh Heupel's offense is capable of doing. That's not in question, right? Can these players go do that? Uh, It is a reminder that yeah, the offense is great. Doesn't mean it's that simple to replace Jalen Hyatt and his skill set, but they need to do it this week. You know, somebody asked us in the the Monday night chat, and I don't know if they were trying to be funny or not. I literally LOL and I, I laughed out loud to myself here in the office on the computer doing the chat. They said, uh, asking the mods, saying like, "Hey, um, are you going to start second guessing your sources now because Thornton's been a bust?" Or I don't know <laughs> if he said bust, but point being, yeah. it's two games. Um, but, I mean, if we're going to second-guess our sources, I guess uh, the coaches, we're going to second-guess them. I mean, the coaches are wrong. The players are wrong. Because it was literally everybody, as you pointed everybody. out. Yeah, yeah, Eric, we had uh, Phil Still on Josh and Swain in the summer, maybe June. And he gets to talk to 
a coach, I think, from every school when he's putting together his magazine. Sometimes it's the head coach. Well, in this case, it was Joey Halsley who also spoke to the media. But I think Swain asked Phil, hey, is there a player on Tennessee's team that you're hearing that we need to watch out for this year? And he didn't hesitate. He said, oh, yeah, it's Dante Thornton. Yeah. And that came from talking to Joey Halsley. So the, Tennessee's offensive coordinator. And when Josh Heupel's talking about the dramatic difference in the roster, I mean, everybody can look at Dante Thornton and see what his physical ability is, but mm-hmm. needs to go make plays. I mean, he, he made some at Oregon, probably not as much as they expected when he was there. And I know Tennessee's expected more than what we've seen. It's not just Dante, by the way. Ramel had that drop. He had the fumble. Jabari yeah. with the drop. Brune, I don't really have a lack of confidence in Brew McCoy. I expect him to continue to make tough catches. Dr- drops are going to happen, by the way. Swain brought up they can be contagious, but they just they can't continue to happen can't continue to have uh, penalties. You, you go on the road to Florida and you have drops, you stall early, you have penalties, you're going to lose the game. Mm-hmm. And you're going to allow Florida to do what it wants to do offensively, which is run the football. With yeah, the, the crowd's going to get into it. It's the, You want to yeah. talk about pressing, struggle early in the swamp. Uh, I don't recommend that. Yeah, and by the way, um, two games in, um, I think Dante Thornton's got a few more plays to make for Tennessee. So I understand some alarming things. I understand frustration right now. Yeah, I'm not giving up on him at all because of his talent, but I'm going to say play better. That's a pretty easy take. And that's pretty fair. I I know we got to say goodbye to you, but real quick, I got to ask you about Florida. I haven't been talking Mm -hmm. about Florida yet. What do you make of this Florida team? What do you think are some quick little one, two, three things Tennessee's got to do in order to go down there and win for the first time and wait for it? 20 years has it been 20 years eric 20 years i don't remember it back in the day i'm sure you do because you're older than me but yeah <laughs> yeah well you know the uh the other crazy thing uh, joking about the 20 years part yes. because everybody we haven't mentioned mentions it, it every other minute but um uh, you know since the start of divisional play tennessee's two and 13 there's only one quarterback that has won in the swamp it's casey clausen he's two and oh everybody else is zero and 13 now we also noted his jersey number seven the same as tennessee starting quarterback now let's what get do you it. make of it uh, Let's get it. So, but uh, this his the history of this series has often been about running the football. When no matter the quarterbacks we talk about, no matter we talk about Steve Spurrier and his passing offense or Tebow, or, uh, of course he ran. But can you run the football? Florida's thinking, okay, can can Johnson and Etienne run the ball successfully? Can uh, can Jalen Wright lead this offensive attack? As much as we're talking about the passing game, Jalen Wright to me is a a huge positive. Now it's gonna be tougher for the offensive line against Florida than the previous two opponents. I recognize the qualifier. That's why I've said it a few times. Uh, Cooper Mays is a, a question going in. One, does he play? Two, how does he feel out there if he plays, considering the lack of time he's had to prepare? That's a big question to me, but running the ball is what is going to drive this offense this season, and they'll hope the passing game can improve. So that's a big deal. Uh, I think Florida likes some of the interior play of the defensive line, so that would factor into the conversation. And then uh, you have some talent, but you have some youth in the uh, the secondary for Florida. Can Tennessee go attack that if we come back to the passing game? And then on the flip side, who doesn't still have a question about Tennessee's secondary? Florida doesn't have the best group of receivers, but Pearsall had a good game last year, and he's, he's very capable. Wilson has legit speed. Tennessee is less experienced at linebacker because of Peely's absence. Is Florida able to find ways to get guys in a, a mismatch situation or confuse Herring out there or whoever might be playing. Uh, Beasley's been great. Uh, no. I think Be- I think Beasley could be all SEC. So now I'm just running through a long list, but those are some of my questions that I have going in. 
All right, so you guys had uh, Cover Tuesday with Jonathan Wade yesterday, yeah. I guess. And I'm sure you guys have some great stuff coming up the rest of the week to get set for Tennessee and Florida. That's on Josh and Swain, noon to 3 on 99.1 The Sports Animal. Yep, uh, finally a real football game for Tennessee, so I can't wait to see what happens on Saturday. Go ahead and subscribe to the Josh and Swain newsletter. The uh, The link to do that is in the description of this Three. show on YouTube and uh, where, wherever you're listening to this podcast that comes out Friday mornings, Tennessee and Florida, it's a big one. And uh, Josh and Swain can uh, cover it all on 99.1 The Sports Animal as well. Josh, thanks so much, dude. Yeah, thanks, Eric. I want to say a big thank you to Josh Ward for stopping by the show. Most importantly, thank you guys for stopping by the show here on a Wednesday, listening, watching, YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks so much for making it your first listen, your first watch, everydayers. Uh, really, really do appreciate you guys for making this show go. Hope you guys enjoyed the pro football focus stats. Not necessarily grade driven because I don't, I don't really believe in those grades. But you know, uh, again, it's snap counts and uh, you know targets and receptions given up and missed tackles and uh, run blocking grades and pass blocking grades, all that type of stuff. That's the intricacies that I really, really like from pro football focus. So hope you guys enjoyed that here. On a Wednesday, hey, the rest of the week we got we got crossover times. You know, Brandon Olson and, and uh, Chris Gordy, uh, some of my locked on brethren, they are we're gonna meet up and talk a little bit. I think that's gonna be tomorrow, and I think we're gonna bump Boogie to Friday and, and have you listen to Boogie along with my uh, preview for Florida to get you set for the Gators game on Friday. So anyway, a lot of personalities, a lot of voices, a lot of faces coming to the show over these next two days. It is Tennessee and Florida. Your best preview can only be found right here on Locked On Balls. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, everybody.